Hey, this is Nashin from The Morning Groove, and we're hanging today with Tasha Como. She is a vocalist, is a fine entertainer, and you may have seen her at local establishments like Gatsby's, and where I originally met her at the dispensary and other places, and she is a UNLV student. Hi, Tasha. Hi, John. How you doing? I'm good. Can we just kind of clear up the dispensary lounge? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so we'll clarify that one. But that's Thank where you. I met you. I was playing in there one night with Uli Geisendorfer and a trio, and you sat in with us. Yes. That was a long time. Well, it was it was a while ago. It depends on yeah. how old you are. I don't see it as a long time oh. ago. A long time ago to me was like high school. Oh, um, no, well, that's a long time for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> so where were you born? I was born in Hartford, Connecticut, born and raised with Jackie McLean. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Yes. Cool. That's where he was. I never met him, though, um, but I knew where he lived. <laughs> okay. And I knew where he taught. He taught at the uh, Hart School of Music, which was right behind my high school, Weaver High School. Anyone else in your family in music? My mother. My father was a lover of music. He had an array of music styles that he would play. And he also used to get, you remember uh, the real mixtapes? Yes, he used to get those. I mean, he had cases of them made. But my mother went to Morgan State. Mm -hmm. She started out, I have a picture of her playing basketball, basketball, but she was also in the performing arts. And she sang, I also have a picture of her singing something for an event at the school. So I got it from both ends. Well, that's that's great. My background is also in music, and it was kind of like I didn't have a choice. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Well, I probably had a choice with my parents, but I think the arts called me, Mm -hmm. and I still love music. I love the arts. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, And I played trumpet, too. I didn't know that. Well, I played trumpet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't my first choice. Mm-hmm. Um, however, after being made to play the trumpet, because that was the last instrument left. <laughs> You're starting to date yourself now. I know. I know. I remember that when I was in the school band. Yeah. Because you know me as a drummer and percussionist. Mm. My first instrument in band was baritone sax. Oh, see, I wanted to play saxophone. The teacher said, I don't even remember his name. He said, they're already gone. I said, well, well can I play clarinet? They're gone. I was like, well, what about flute? No. You know what? Your lips will be good for the trumpet. And I have full lips. Now, I didn't know. He was just, he was just pulling my leg. Mm-hmm. But I realized because I played from fourth grade to high school. And in high school, there was an opportunity for me. I auditioned for a new performing arts school that was opening up in Hartford. And it was the Greater Hartford Academy of the Performing Arts. Now it's it has its own corner. Mm-hmm. We barely had a building. <laughs> <laughs> and before that, we didn't have a building. We used the Hartford Library. Mm-hmm. We used a church across the street and made it work. But I didn't realize until I started learning more about 
the voice, how much the trumpet helped me. Mm-hmm. So now <laughs> I'm picking it back up and it's more like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I walked into the elementary school band and I'm like, I'm a drummer. And the guy said, no, you're big enough. We need a baritone sax player. You're it. Take this home. Here's the book. Figure it out. Man, he put you out there. Well, luckily, I had people in my family that are musicians, Mm -hmm. so they could help me along the way. Well, did he know that? Yes, he did. Oh, and that's why he did that. Matter of fact, he was (laughs) a trumpet player in my grandfather's big band. Oh, so that's why he did that. And then about two years later, they made me play tuba. And I said, why are you doing this to me? And he said, because you want to be a percussionist. If you want to play timpani, we have to train your ear for low pitches. So take this tuba home. And it worked. Really? Yeah. Mm. I love it. That's cool. You know, and I know that um, I, you know, like I said, I, I was called to music. And I'm sure you were also internally. The spirit gets you. Yes, And once the spirit's got you, it doesn't give you up. No, it doesn't. But I also played piano. That's good. Well, it would have been had I stuck with it. And I tell this all the time because it really cracks me up because this shows how much of a community and family people were, even though they weren't a part of your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, well, this was my church family. My piano instructor, Miss Richardson, was a member of my church. And I, I used to do recitals and mm-hmm. all of that. I, I mean, I was good. And then I stopped, became a preteen teenager. Mm-hmm. And then I <laughs> stopped for two years and went back. And when I went back, I wasn't serious. And she knew I wasn't rehearsed. I wasn't practicing. And I would try and cram. Well, anybody out there that mm-hmm. that practices or you have children that practice, you know that they ha- if they have a... A lesson coming up they will cram the whole week of practicing into either three hours before they have their their uh, lesson or the day before it doesn't work no they know no they know yeah. but one day I went to her door and she just opened the door and said just sing baby just sing uh-huh. don't waste don't waste your mother's money and I was I was hurt. <laughs> I think I have a phobia because of that. But I mean, so I did sing. <laughs> See, I have I have a piano phobia that comes from studying piano with a nun in Catholic school. She slammed the lid of the piano keys Ooh. on my hands one day. Well, she used a brush. And I'm like, uh, no, thank you. Now, I had a drum teacher when I was a kid that taught my grandfather and my uncle. He was an older dude. And he would use the ruler if you weren't ready. Yeah. Well, if, you know what? We're only cheating ourselves if we don't prepare. If we don't prepare, it's true. You know, now you sang in church? I did. I went to an African Methodist Episcopal Zion church. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't raised on a lot of gospel, like a lot of, you know, your African-American uh, singers might tell you um or might share with you if they've had that background. Mm-hmm. We did anthems. We did gospel. Um, it was hymns. Mm-hmm. So that's what I grew up on. However, however, <laughs> there was a studio around the corner from where I lived. Uh-huh. I used to hang out there all of the time. And they had connections with the Sugar Hill Gang. Mm-hmm. 
I think one of them was in it or it's all a blur now, but I used to hang out there. And it's and again, it's crazy how you don't realize those experiences that you have as a child are honing you and shaping you mm-hmm. and giving you insight and the foresight for the future. So I did that. I sang I did I sang in funerals, weddings. I even played taps on the trumpet mm-hmm. at the um, not the Capitol, but it was the um, it was City Hall. Mm-hmm. And that was so nerve wracking because <laughs> I mean, it's just open. You know, you don't have to touch any valves, mm-hmm. but you better not mess up. Mm-hmm. And it's taps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. um, I sang with bands when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I was a a young teenager singing with bands and they say, look, whatever you do, no, yeah. don't you pick up a drink. Don't you mm-hmm. tell nobody how old you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I was doing clubs before I was before I was old enough to be in them. Right. <laughs> and it was a great experience. I also spent a lot of time around studios when I was a kid. My grandfather was the percussionist on things like the Superfly soundtrack mm. and all the chess records and Brunswick records dates. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, I mean, just thinking about um, even singing with, mm-hmm. you know, my friends. Um, there was a, a a friend of mine whose aunt had a record out. Barbara Fowler is her name. Mm-hmm. And she had this record out um, in the 80s. And I was like, oh, man, I love that song. And my friend said, that's my aunt. I said, what? Yeah. So then I would sing background Mm-hmm. with her or for her not with her and even recorded like there weren't tracks where you go okay we're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna separate you your track no we were in the middle of a room mm-hmm. around and the music was playing and we had to sing into one mic mm-hmm. and if one person screwed it up we had to start all over mm-hmm. again. You know, in a lot of ways, that was really a great learning tool for so many people mm-hmm. because now I can fix one note because of the digital realm when we record. Right. I can go in and take out one bad note or I can fix the pitch on one note and it just makes people lazy, I think, sometimes. Yeah. I think with a lot of people, one person who is no longer here and I was shocked Irene Cara mm-hmm. I went in the studio I met her and oh she she was so talented yes she didn't get the credit that she should have gotten she was she was a musician yeah I backed up a singer that never got the right amount of credit she was David Ruffin's sister Dodie oh what an amazing singer she was she sang better than David really yes yes what brought you out to Las Vegas? Well, I was in Florida. Mm-hmm. I was in Sanford, Florida, just living my life. Well, actually, I drove from, uh, well, I went to school in Daytona Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. That's how I ended up in Florida. Okay. Uh, Bethune-Cookman, now university, then college. <laughs> okay. Um, and just made a life, moved to Sanford, Florida, and started started working at Disney from 2002 to 2006. Mm -hmm. And in that time, I had another friend who had a studio where I did a a project for someone else. And he said, hey, there's a 
there's auditions coming up for Cirque du Soleil. Back then you had to get an invitation right. mm-hmm. to audition. And I was able to get one because they were doing, I don't know if, if it was because of that, but it might have helped. They were holding auditions in his studio. Mm-hmm. And I got the invitation, auditioned, and then they had me go to at the time La Nuba was the show in downtown Disney and my friend was singing in that show mm-hmm. Sandra Lewis and they are very particular about their profile yes, of are. their characters and I was you know I was generously proportioned <laughs> and <laughs> but it was myself and another young lady that worked at Disney we were in the same show together the Festival of the Lion King show in Disney mm-hmm. And her name is Mika King. And she's out there doing her thing. But she and I auditioned on stage. And at that time, I was used to performing live. Right. But getting on that Cirque du Soleil stage, I felt like I was swallowed up. Mm-hmm. I, and, and there in airs, it was just a whole different experience. So anyway... After we auditioned, um, they said, uh, you know, Cirque du Soleil is always coming up with, with, you know, creating new shows. So, you know, if you're not called for this one, don't worry, we'll keep you in our files. Well, they did keep me in their files. Mm-hmm. And what the crazy, crazy thing is, also, which might have helped the director at the time, I think his name was Benoit. He used to hold these um, events at his home which is so cool, I want to do here. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the concept. He had entertainers, both visual and musical, in all different styles. Every Sunday, there would be a different type of concert. And in his living room, Mm -hmm. wasn't anything fancy. Just where you could find a seat, some hors d'oeuvres were brought in. People bought a bottle of wine, and then everyone shared that. And then the visual art was just hung up around the house. And however, it brought the entertainment community together. And he was also looking for new talent. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. But he had string quartets. He mm-hmm. had, do I mean, do uh, classical, mm-hmm. jazz. I did my CD, which had jazz, blues, R&B, gospel, just all of these different elements. And it was just nice to see everybody come together yeah. and network. That was another key thing with that. Okay, getting back to the story. So I drove, I was driving, now we're 2009. They didn't call me. In 2006, (laughs) 2009, I drove from then I was living in Jacksonville. That was my last place I moved to before coming here. Drove to Connecticut by myself, came back, laid down on my floor. I just got home. I got this call and I saw this area code. I was like, man, I think that's Canada. (laughs) I said, but I don't know anybody from Canada, but Cirque du Soleil. And then I go, hello. (laughs) And the guy goes, hello, this is Andre. I was like, mm, all right, Andre. <laughs> so anyway, he said, "Um, we're creating a show in, in Vegas mm-hmm. and would like to know if you want to audition. I was like, sure. And that's a sh- story in itself. It'll have to be a to be continued. However, that's how I got here. Okay. But the story to get here was something. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It, I mean, Yes. I mean, my sons, I don't know how they got a hold of my passport. They lost it 
again, there's there's a lot of moving parts Mm -hmm. because even during that time, there was a an event that occurred. It was something about uh, around the world, and there were these fake passports that they had. Mm -hmm. And I knew the person that was hosting it, putting it on. Well, I had some fake passports. Think my son's got a hold of my real one Mm -hmm. and thought it was, but I needed my passport to go to Canada. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were so patient with me. So I think I had to fly to Louisiana to get another passport mm-hmm. to get it expedited. Yeah. And nobody was in that one. <laughs> I was so glad. I mean, I walked in. It was it was like God was he just laid it out for me. Oh, that's great. I got to Louisiana, picked up my rental car and I'm looking for the place downtown New Orleans. And I said, there's a parking space right in front of the building where I need to go. Perfect. So my appointment was at 12, the last appointment of the day. I go up before 12 and I give them the letter that I need this expedited. They go, oh, just walk around the French Quarter. You know, we come back at about 2.33. I said, okay. So I go and I get me some chicken gumbo. I get mm-hmm. me some regular gumbo because my father's from Lafayette, Louisiana. Okay. You know, I'm used to my father's gumbo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I went around and then I was walking down the street, peeking in the clubs and seeing all these tiny venues and just imagining mm-hmm. the musicians and the music that goes yeah. on. But I go back and they go, here you go. I got my passport in less than what, three hours Mm-hmm. I called and let them know I flew out that weekend. Mm-hmm. My audition was August 3rd and my birthday is August 23rd. Oh, there you go. I finalized the contract over the phone on August 13th. I had to be here in Vegas by August 25th. Hmm. So that was my birthday gift. And that's how the music business works sometimes. And I had friends from Florida that sang here. They came here singing. I remember when they were leaving and we wished them well. It was Mm -hmm. a a group by the name of Mosaic. Mm -hmm. And they opened up for uh, George Wallace. And one of my friends was in that group and they moved out here. What show were you in? Where? In, at Disney? No, with Cirque. Oh, with Cirque? Viva Elvis. We okay. opened when the Aria opened. Yeah. It was, it was something. I wished, oh man, I mean, first I want to say the whole cast and crew are phenomenal. Just beautiful people. Not just extraordinary at what they do, but they are beautiful mm-hmm. people. And found out that some of the people that worked there just all they did was just transfer to another position, but they worked as circus performers with yeah. their families. Mm-hmm. There was a lady, we had this walk the wardrobe. We started out where anyone could create a piece or whatever, dancer, um, you know, the seamstresses and all of that. And one seamstress, she got on the floor and showed us she could, with her feet, she could roll a, a, a log or something. It wasn't a log, of, right. but it was it looked like a log. Yeah. But, well, who would have known if we did not do this? <laughs> and then, you know, we had, a dan- we had dancers and all we did was some of us just wore their pieces and we walked from one end of the wardrobe room through the wardrobe room and out. Mm-hmm. That was that was the stage and then it moved onto the stage. Right. And then it became something else. But just some 
of the most beautiful people, even even the cast at at Disney World. I mean, they are my family and our acronym for the Festival of of the Lion King is folk. So I always say those are my folk Mm -hmm. right there. And I mean it. You know, I worked I worked at Disney in California, but a long time before you did. Uh, I was a member of a group in. Well, I was in Florida. Well, I know, but I was in California at Disneyland Mm. working in a group called the Kids of the Kingdom Mm. in 1974. And we were hired via videotape audition. And what I remember is they had requirements for your hair and the women's fingernails and they wanted the right look and the right this and the right that. And you had to stay that way while you worked for them, which was interesting because we didn't get a second haircut. The guys in my group just slicked it down with water and went to work (laughs) with hairspray, you know. It was crazy. But we had a lot of fun. I learned a lot working for Disney because they're so efficient and things run so well. Yes. And then you moved into Cirque, which is even another level of the same concept. Well, here's the thing. In orientation, I believe I was the only entertainer. But the gentleman that was um, in the orientation, he was in the show. I didn't know it at the Mm -hmm. time. But they had all these rules. Oh, you're here. And I had locks my hair was mm-hmm. locked didn't have braids right and my hair was shoulder length so they said well um you you can't have this you can't i would raise my hand i go um i i this is my hair i have locks then she looks down and she goes oh you're an entertainment this doesn't apply to you <laughs> so <laughs> i said it's funny because that's that's what I felt like when I was having my mm-hmm. twins and I went to Lamaze class and I was the only one having a multiple birth. I would go, well, what about a single birth? <laughs> I mean, what about, a, a you know, um, twins, multiple births? Oh, that doesn't apply to you. And I'm thinking, well, why am I spending money yeah. in this Lamaze class if nothing applies to me? So everything didn't apply to me in the orientation. Right. And however, when I came, when I got the and I tried to get them to make me cut my hair, Cirque du Soleil. I said, so do you, do you, do you, would you like for me to cut my hair or my locks or anything? Oh, no, 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 no. Just, we want you to stay just the way you are. And I was like, oh, gosh, I, I wanted to have a... You know, I have some Disney trivia that a lot of people may not be aware of. Back in the early, early 70s, there was a group working at the Tomorrowland stage that had Richard and Karen Carpenter in it. What? And they were fired because Richard wouldn't get a haircut and Karen wouldn't trim her nails. Oh, well. They had a quarter-inch nail rule and they had an ear-showing hair rule. They had a length of nail rule? Yeah. And the Carpenters recorded an album with a tune on it called Mr. Gooder. And it was telling the guy in the song about you shouldn't have let us go because now we're big stars. And that was his real name. I worked for the same supervisor in, in 74, Victor Gouda. <laughs> it was funny. But that's, that's my Disney trivia. It's a crack up. Uh, so you did the Cirque thing and then you went out doing your single thing with bands and singing well, tunes. Well, once I got here, I'd always been singing with bands. Yeah. Yeah. Once the show closed, I also substitute teach. However, being in school now, I haven't been able to kind of work that schedule out yet Mm -hmm. but i've always taught even in florida since 90 yeah 
I'd been substitute teaching. So I went, I applied for CCSD, mm-hmm. worked for CCSD, and now I'm with the charter schools. Oh, cool. At Academica, and I hope I'm still with them. <laughs> but I substitute teach. Then I said, well, you know, I'm used to doing bands. I mean, yeah. small venues. I don't have to be on a huge stage. Mm-hmm. So I went back out and I put myself back out there and said, you know, could I sing? And I knew Uli from Cirque du Soleil. So I went to mm. the dispensary lounge and then sang and somehow at some point became a regular mm-hmm. <laughs> performer. Well, I remember the first time I heard you sing, I was playing and you came up and sang a tune and you walked away from the bandstand and I looked at Uli and said, this girl can sing. <laughs> and he went, I know, with his German accent. Thank you. Uh, now what uh, brought I you know. to enrolling at UNLV? Uh, the opportunity to further my education came up, and I, I said I would be an idiot if I didn't take that opportunity. And what are you studying at UNLV? Music, arranging, composition. Cool. Yes, but it's a whole other beast. Mm-hmm. A lot of music theory involved. Oh, yes, and that's another phobia. But I'm determined to do what has to be done. And the final step, as far as I'm concerned, with arranging and composing is something that Duke Ellington did better than everyone. And it's knowing the rules, but knowing how to break them. Yeah. Yeah. That was Duke's thing. And one of the things that Duke always said to people was, uh, in fact, he wrote a book called Music is My Mistress. And his whole philosophy was music is my mistress and she plays second fiddle to no one. Mm-hmm. You know, and Duke broke all the rules. That's why his music was so different mm-hmm. and got so popular because he just broke the rules. Yeah. So you're studying for which degree? Masters. Masters. Yeah. Cool. You know, trying to bridge the gap between undergrad and now grad mm-hmm. after being out. And I know out of school for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> More like an hour. <laughs> And you're using Finale and all the good software and all that stuff? I'm working on MuseScore. That's okay. what I'm, I'm trying works. to work that on. That's a starter. I'm That's telling you, it's. I didn't think of that part of, mm-hmm. of the music, but it's great. And then one of my instructors teaches a film scoring. Mm-hmm. And, I would, and I've always been interested in that. You know, I would look at movies and go, "Why? Why did they? Why did they choose that?" Mm-hmm. Or I'd say, "Oh, oh, that's that's good. That's a good yeah. feeling right there that they're right. portraying exactly. in the music." Exactly. And I would go, "Man, I could do that." And who knows? Maybe I will be able to do that. It's the kind of industry where you never know what can happen next. Yeah. Which is a great thing, and you can make things happen. Yeah. Another friend of mine, Todd Hunter, he's Dionne Warwick's mm-hmm. musical director. And we did something. Uh, he said, hey, you want to uh, write this song? And I, was, I said, sure. For what? It was for a Brazilian biography about a woman who ended up in Chula Vista, California. This was a backdrop he, he told me. Right. He gave me. Right. Because I needed to know what the premise of mm-hmm. The documentary, I'm sorry, it was a documentary. This woman was a snake charmer uh, Mm -hmm. in Brazil, singer, actress, you know, performer. Mm -hmm. Well, somehow she ended up in Chula Vista and she got married. She and her husband lived in a trailer and he left her and she never fit in. You know, she's very eccentric and she stands out like a sore thumb and everybody thinks she's a little cuckoo, but she isn't. She's just who she is. 
And she had pictures of her back mm-hmm. in the day and da da da. Well, she died in the trailer. Oh my. So that was the premise of the song. <laughs> There's actually a video of it on YouTube and they put us in the video. It was mm, really cool wild. of them to do that. So we wrote a song called The Trailer. Which reminds me, do you have a website? Okay, so listen. Where do they find you online? You know, I wish I could just give my number out, but I'm not going to do that <laughs> on, <laughs> over the no, air. Don't. <laughs> but if you go to, if you email me, or you can go to Instagram or yeah. email me under Tasha, T-O-S-C-H-A, Como, C-O-M-E-A-U-X. On my email, mm-hmm. you can email me at C-O-M-E-A-U-X-T-O-S-C-H-A-2-3 at gmail.com. Oh, and also, I studied voice in undergrad, and this is how crazy things are. I did a competition for Southern Regional Met Competitions, mm-hmm. and they cut me right before break. So I called out the tempo, and it was supposed to go back to the coda. The accompanist, she didn't go back to the mm-hmm. coda. So instead of letting me just do it right then and there, they go, okay, we're going to go on break. And then when you come back, you can... So I was already mm-hmm. a nervous wreck. And then I met an African, older African-American woman named Sylvia Oldenly, who was, I believe, the first pianist at the Met. Mm-hmm. And she knew her stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. No, did I see? No, I didn't see her there. That was another audition. (laughs) Not another audition. It was another competition. When I was driving to Connecticut from Florida, Mm -hmm. I stopped in Philly and did a a competition. That's where I met Sylvia Oldenly. And she said, child, you need to, the word is, the word is, is ooh, you need to know your syllables and how to pronounce them when you're <laughs> singing French, German, and Italian. You don't say ooh for ooh, and, and you know, and it was yeah. just those little nuances. Sure. But then I saw her again years after that at the it was the National Black Opera Association in Boston, and that's where I saw Robert McFerrin, mm-hmm. the father. Wonderful. Yes. And he sung with Sylvia Olden Lee. And that was a, there were so many mm-hmm. black opera singers. It was crazy. Oh, um, Leontine Price wasn't there though, but they were on stage. And, you know, George was up in age and I listened to an interview that he had. And he said, well, what do you, you know, this is when Bobby McFerrin came came out to, what do you think about, you know, your son and da, da, da. And all you could, in the interview, he goes, I don't know what he's doing. You know, I, you know, whatever else well, he said. It's, it's a different musical yeah, world. It you, is. Yeah. And, but he was older, too. Mm-hmm. And his world was classical music. But when I tell you, he walked up there like, it reminds me of um, Carol Burnett. You know, what's his name that goes, oh, mm-hmm. he walks really slow. Tim Conway. Tim Conway. And his character is the. Yeah, the Swedish guy. Yes. Yes. So that's how he walked up. He started to sing this song. Now, mind you, this is 200 plus people at a dinner Mm -hmm. and they're performing. She's at the piano. First of all, she's she's not even looking at the big score. She's just playing and turning just for Mm -hmm. us. 
because she's but she knows the music sure. and she had to have been at that time whoa like 80 something mm-hmm. and she still had it so he had the music in his hand and then he just stops and goes i don't want to sing this song <laughs> i said what well they just they yeah. just act like nobody else is mm-hmm. here but them so she goes well what do you want to sing then so he sings this song about jesus and the window and mm-hmm. when i tell you even now i'm getting chills because music is so so absorbing mm-hmm. you know no matter what you can be going through how you feel your age it can take you back to a point where you are just weightless because when he started that song i didn't see him the way that i saw him when he walked up Mm -hmm. he sang that song and it had so much intent and so much experience Mm -hmm. in it i was just i said to myself well i'm glad he didn't want to sing that other song now (laughs) oh yeah sure (laughs) oh man so i like to ask people all the same question Mm -hmm. at one point and I would like to ask you, if it hadn't been for discovering music and it being in your soul, what would you have done? I probably would have done something, not that I don't do it now, but I probably would have concentrated even more with helping people. Mm -hmm. But in a way, I think that's what music does. It absolutely does. It's therapeutic. Um, I hope we play together soon. I know. We got to do that. You know, oh, and I can't, what I'll say is now that I'm a little older and things are changing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm trying to get used to my new self and that means my voice as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can be so frustrating Mm -hmm. and I hear it the way that other people don't. And when other people tell me, you know, that the gift is still there, you know, I'm like, oh, are you are you just saying that? Just because you know how we can be in the entertainment world. Well, my <laughs> advice to you in that in that way is to just take the blessing and smile. Smile and say thank you. That's right. And know that it's not. I always say, you know, what we have is not for us anyway. It might sound corny, you know, because you hear all the time, well, you know, your gift is not for you. It's it's mm-hmm. for everyone else. And it's true. Mm-hmm. When you make it about yourself, then that's when it's worthless, mm-hmm. I think. And when you truly share it, regardless as to what it is, you receive so much more from it Mm -hmm. and you receive what you're supposed to receive. You know what? I think that's where we should give this up. Yeah. Because I'm so glad you came in today. I'm so glad you shared so much. And we maybe will do this again in the future. I'd love to. And I want to thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you for listening. This is Nashon from The Morning Groove. I'm here today with Tasha Como. And it's been a very interesting time. And you'll be hearing this soon. Have a beautiful day. Be blessed. And keep listening to your favorite radio station, 91.5 Jazz and More. Thank you.